Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, June the 16th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue Year C, Proper Week 7, which is the second Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Thursday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week in the church calendar year. And so we find ourselves in new territory. We're leaving Romans behind this week. We're going to go to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for us. The book of Galatians is in the middle of this, the greatest baby mama drama conversation in New Testament scholarship right now, which centers on this idea of what exactly was the Apostle Paul doing? And when he had his Damascus Road transformation experience, what did he turn into? Um, the, the old, what they call the old perspective of Paul would say that Paul left his legalistic ways of Judaism and that he was trying to, quote, earn his salvation by works. And he took on a Christianity, which was by grace alone, faith alone, and so on and so forth. But there's another group, the New Perspective on Paul, that says actually Paul never left his Jewishness behind. Uh, that first century Judaism wasn't trying to earn salvation. That wasn't you know, an existential angst that anybody in first century Palestine had. Um, the works of the law were not ways to try to earn a salvation or to start their own salvation project. But it was uh, covenant maintenance. They believed that they were in the people of God. And so they did the things that God asked them to do, not to stay in, but just to maintain the brilliance and the brightness of being a part of God's people and to be separate from encroaching influence from those outside of Judaism. And so there's this debate about what's going on in Galatians because of it. Because we know the, the narrative behind Galatians. Paul plants this church and he plants a church that has Jews and Gentiles together and they're sharing a table fellowship. Well, when Peter, another apostle and a follower of Jesus, disciple of Jesus, comes in among the Galatians, he chooses as a Jew not to have table fellowship with Gentiles, those non-Jews, uh, but to only eat with Jewish people. Um, ever since he was a boy, Peter was told not we assume that not to associate with Gentile people and whoever you ate with at the table, those are the people that you associated with. It's like the political signs that people put in their front yards, loud and clear who I'm for and who I'm against. And so whoever you ate with, it was the same thing. So like first century Palestine was like seventh grade lunchtime or something like that, right? 
And so here, this is very offensive to Paul. Uh, Paul recognizes that Peter knows the, the full scope of the gospel, that it's not Jews or Gentiles. There's not like a hierarchy of first class and second class citizens, but all are one in Christ. And so for Peter to live into this initially, but then reject it later, it was something that was deeply offensive to Paul. And so he had to confront him to his face. And so Paul is now left with all of these questions to answer. What do we do with Judaism? What do we do with the law that God gave to Moses? Is this the same God who is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ? And so Paul himself as a Jew never left his Judaism behind. Uh, he simply knew that Christ was the fulfillment of his Judaism. And so he tries to make a point here and he uses a contemporary uh, illustration to, to uh, talk about this point. Um, he says, just like in the Greco-Roman world where a, you know, a family of influence and affluence, uh, to, in order to raise their kids right, they hire a tutor, a guardian, that helps to train them up and to get them ready and savvy with cultural life, with education and the management of finances before they're turned loose on the family's possessions to manage the business of the home. In the same way, Paul says that uh, Jews were given the law as like a guardian. Because even though they were God's people, God could not trust them with the full scope. He couldn't give them all the keys to the car, right? Like they weren't old enough yet. They hadn't proven that they were going to be faithful enough. And so Paul says the law isn't uh, menial. The law was important. The law was for a time, but that time has now passed. And what Paul will say in other parts of Galatians is that the Paul, sorry, that the, the law needed to be put aside because ultimately. The, um, the application that the, the Jews of first century Palestine during the time of Jesus, unfortunately, they applied the law to the point in such a way, in a misshapen way, that it actually crucified their God because they cursed one who hung on a tree. And therefore, it shows that the law needed to be upstaged because it was already fulfilled. And what was how it was being fulfilled now is that there's now a faithfulness in Christ to fulfill the promises given to Abraham. So that's what's going on here. But the, but the big point is what happens in verses 28 and 29. Paul says, this is what the church should look like. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul says there's a renegotiating about who is in the people of God, the people of Abraham. It's not just those who are of natural descent, from the lineage of Abraham. But since Abraham walked by faith, and this was before the law, as he says in other places in his letters, therefore those who operate by faith, who live by faith in the Messiah and the faithfulness of the Messiah, they're also in God's people. And so these three categories, Jew, Gentile, slave-free, male or female, these are all categories that sorted people in this world, first-class, second-class citizens. These are the things that they can choose for themselves. These, these are the things that they're born into. They are either born a Jew or a Gentile, they're a slave or a free person, or a male or female. But Paul says, in the church, we have a different hierarchy and structure. Now all are one in Christ. So he's asking Peter and those who embrace Peter's ways, like, let's remove this. Let's put this off. Throw this to the side. All are one in Christ now. Let's not have this first class, second class, and second class citizenship thing in the church but all are one in Christ because of our faith. So what does that mean for us today? That sounds like a whole lot of first century stuff. And so maybe the, the modern Bible reader is going, yeah, but what about me today? Well, you can notice that any room that you go in, any room that I go in today, 
it's sorted out too, right? Uh, there are those who are in charge and those who are subordinate, um, those who have privilege and those who do not. Um, and so perhaps as we lean and as we like look into a window of first century world, what the church looked like and the aggressive posture that Paul has to try to remove boundaries and barriers, that you and I remove boundaries and barriers in our life as well. And that's going to take a lot of guts. It's going to take a lot of faith. It's going to take a lot of courage from Christ. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice today because you've drawn us into your family. And we thank you that as we're drawn into your family, we confess that we need help in renegotiating our projection and our expectations of what a family is. Uh, we, we confess to you that at times we think family is just those who look just like us. And without knowing it or acknowledging it, we have biases and we have lenses that sort people out. But we thank you for the revolutionary merit, uh, message of the New Testament and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that uh, the gospel cuts across the binaries, it cuts across the divisions, it removes the dividing walls of hostility in every relationship and in every culture. We think that the church looks like a unified and a uh, one people of God. And so Lord, we confess to you that we have made divisions and so forgive us. Help us to have new eyes and a new heart and a new empathy and a new compassion for those who are not like us. Help us to include and to embrace. I pray that as we do so, a great message would billow out from this community, the church, that there is love that abounds among a group of people in a day like ours. So God, empower us for this endeavor. We can pray, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>